Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. I've served as the president of two different universities, thousands and thousands of students, last university of which I served as president, our annual budget was over $105 million. I I know that's not huge compared to the major corporations in America, but it's a substantial burden and responsibility. Hundreds of employees and the pastor of, I served once as the pastor of a mega church. So I've been in a lot of different executive roles. I've also been the founder and president of a of an international NGO, a missions organization. And here's the thing that shocked me the most about serving in an executive leadership role was the constant ubiquitous pressure of decision-making. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland, and this is The Leader's Notebook. I'm glad that you've joined today. The Leader's Notebook is dedicated, this podcast is dedicated to four things, life, leadership, relationships, and of course, faith. I hope that you'll enjoy this teaching today. I want to share on decision-making in the risk-reward quadrilateral. I believe that if I had learned to make better decisions earlier, to know when to make quick decisions, when to make slower decisions, and make better decisions, and how to teach team-making decisions earlier, I think I would have been a better executive. Now, I want to share that I have designed for the purposes of the NICL, the National Institute of Christian Leadership, which I teach, and to which I invite you, I want you to look up the NICL.com, the NICL.com. I hope that you'll come and join me for a, a teaching series that I believe will be a tremendous blessing to your leadership, whatever it is, business, ministry, organization. I've had four college presidents to attend I've had attorneys, physicians, business owners, and of course, many, many pastors and staff. And I'd love for you and your staff to come to thenicl.com. Now in that, the NICL, we also have workbooks that uh, you have that work through each of the sessions. In in session two, I do an extensive teaching on decision-making because, as I say, actually that's one of the major functions of executive leadership is decision-making, the constant pressure of it. Mr. President, Mr. Pastor, how do we, when do you, where do we, how much should we? It's constant. And sometimes these decisions, you come to the end of a day, you've made a hundred decisions or a thousand decisions, and you can't see how they all fit together. So what I've tried to work on work on and create here is a a graphic design for how to assign value to leadership, to leadership decisions. In which decisions do I invest the most intellectual energy and time to make the best decisions possible? So all decisions are a factor of risk and reward. So I've designed what I call the risk-reward quadrilateral. So I want to go through this with you, and then I want to talk about decision-making. So the first uh, quadrant, quadrant one of the the Rutland risk-reward quadrilateral, decision-making quadrilateral, is low-risk, 
and high reward. Now that's a nifty quadrant. That's what you, that's what you want is that if, I, if this goes wrong, it doesn't hurt me much. And if it goes right, it's a tremendous blessing. I don't know how often you get those, but you do get those. And that is uh, someone who comes to say to you're a pastor of a church and someone comes to volunteer to start a senior citizens ministry. It might be a great blessing. It doesn't cost you much. The volunteer doesn't cost you a salary. Why spend a year trying to research and make that decision? That's a decision you can make faster. Low, low risk, high reward. Then the second quadrant is high reward, high risk. That's your, that's your big time all in decisions. These are very capital driven decisions. And these are the decisions you want to take a lot of time. You, it doesn't mean you can't do them because the risk is high because the reward is so high, but it means you have to analyze the connection between that level of risk and the potential of that level of reward. Let me give you some historical examples. One is Hitler's invasion of Russia. That was a, a and now we denounce that as a, being stupid. Thank God for it, because it was the end of Hitler. But, but it's denounced as being a stupid decision in every way. And it was a stupid decision. But it wasn't Russia that defeated. It wasn't the Russian army that defeated the German army. It was the Russian winter that defeated the German army. Now, it was a terrible risk, and it basically cost Germany the war. I mean, it was years later. But that was the downturn, was the terrible defeat at Stalingrad. But here's the issue. What if they had won? There's the reward. If they had won, Hitler basically would have had a European empire that stretched from the English Channel to Vladivostok on the Pacific Ocean. And it might have been, now at that point, impossible to stop him. For one thing, he would have inculcated into the German army a million Russian soldiers. So there was a, a terrible, terrible risk, and it cost him, thank God, it cost the savage German army the war, but the reward was huge. Now, lest we think that you always lose in high-risk, high-reward decisions, let's take another one from the same war, and that's Eisenhower's decision at D-Day. The risk was huge, huge. You're going to put 180,000 Allied boys onto a few beaches that are rough landing places on the coast of France and see if you can puncture the underbelly of Nazi empire. The risk is unfathomable. What if at the end of that landing day, there are 180,000 Allied boys floating around in the surf? What if, what if it, we lose everything? The risk was so high, many people don't know this. Eisenhower actually wrote out his resignation letter and gave it to his adjutant and said, if D-Day is a failure, send this to Roosevelt. I'm finished. But what was the reward? The reward was that now the Allied army has a toehold in Europe. Now we can begin to invade France. Now we can push forward. Finally, we can get to Germany. That was the turning point on the English Channel side as the loss of Stalingrad was on the Russian side. Now, Germany was caught in a pincer. High risk, but high reward. At a local church level, I know it doesn't compare, I suppose, to Stalingrad or D-Day, 
But that's a that's a high level building campaign. The the risk is getting upside down in it. The risk is that it doesn't go forward. The risk is that you can't raise the money or pay the debt or whatever. The reward is that you move forward aggressively. You move into a new time, more opportunities for ministry, more places for ministry, high reward and high risk. Now, quadrant three is, it just isn't, that's a, a foolish quadrant. You think nobody would ever make a decision in quadrant three. That's high risk but low reward. Now you're completely upside down in that decision. It's emotional. It's ego-driven. But people who say, oh, no one would ever make a decision in that quadrant. Those are people that have never practiced law or never been in the ministry. People make decisions in that quadrant all the time. Family lawsuits. You take your brother-in-law to court, small claims court for $400. That's an idiotic decision. If you win, you lose, and if you lose, you lose. The the reward is negligible, and the risk of a family rupture of of all of those things is is huge. Uh, the the sudden dismissal of a staff member because you get angry in a moment and fire a valuable employee these these are emotion ego driven decisions that are high risk and low reward. Even if you do the right thing, they don't make you much. Those are made because people are angry, upset, they're operating in emotion, and they don't put the time in to analyze the risk-reward factor. And then there is what we call the, the supplemental quadrant. That's quadrant four, and that's low risk and low reward. Not going to make you much. It's also not going to cost you much. In, 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 um, Retail business, that's what you call supplemental income. That's putting a, a gumball machine in the lobby of your of your restaurant. You're not ever going to make much money on a gumball machine, but people come out, the kids expect a gumball machine. So you put it there. It doesn't cost you much. It doesn't make you much, but it's an easy, quick decision. Now, what does all this add up to? And it's this. The energy spent must be directly proportional to the risk-reward ratio. In other words, I've got to analyze, take time to analyze, is this going to make me much? And it's not just profit. Is it going to make me much uh, progress, much public relations advantage? What's the reward, whatever that is? And what is the risk? There are equal and opposite errors. One is is the the person who is an inveterate hip shooter. They're so intuitive that they can... They can draw a handgun and shoot the eye out of a fly at 10,000 paces without ever thinking about it. That's, the, that's that intuitive hip shooter. And they're so good at it, so often, so many times, they get to where that's the only kind of decision they can make. The problem with that is that there can come a time where they're making nuclear decisions with a hip shot. There are times when the even the best intuitive hip shooter in the world needs to stop and plan and think and calculate the risk. The opposite of that is brain freeze at the candy counter. Did you ever take anybody to the movies and they stop at the candy counter and spend so much time trying to figure out what they're going to buy that you're missing the movie? Finally, you just want to say, buy something, just get something. We'll come again another time. They're, they're having brain freeze at the candy counter. They're taking way too long They're way too concerned 
with this decision emotionally, intellectually, and in terms of time. Time is money. They're spending way too much time on a decision that should be made quickly and easily. So the two errors are making a nuclear, using a nuclear weapon with a hip shot, and the other is brain freeze at the candy counter. So how do we avoid that? Here are the questions we have to ask ourselves in all decision-making. How important is this? Really, really how important is it? There may be all kinds of people around you, your staff, your executives, your advisors, who are telling you that this is, this is the huge decision of your whole life and leadership. Is it really? Pause. Think. Could, is this the most important thing that you need to deal with right now? The second question is, how time-sensitive is this? Can it wait? Some people will tell you, we have to make this decision right now. Be very cautious. I urge all leaders, be very cautious about rushing into decisions when somebody has the time, the gun time, in the small of your back. You've got to make this decision right now. I always tell young people all the time, when you get that call at 10 o'clock at night, and your friend says, they've discovered oil in some foreign country, and we can get on in the ground floor, but you got to send me $5,000 by midnight. Hang up fast. Never be rushed into that kind of a decision. Can it wait? Ask yourself, is there a chance this will get more or less critical if I wait a while? Can I test this? Is this an all-in question? Is this that that quadrant two, high risk, high reward, all in capital driven decision. Or is this a way I can test it? Businesses do this all the time. Some pork and beans company is going to come up with some new thing, cinnamon, roasted, barbecued pork and beans. They don't send it out to every country in the whole world. They test it in Detroit. Does it sell in Detroit? Is there a way you can test this? Can you try it? Is this an all in question? A third question you want to ask yourself is this. Do I have the reserves and does my company, organization, ministry have the reserves to risk this now? Am I emotionally, mentally, and physically where I can deal with this? I want to say this to you. Sometimes leaders steer their ship in front of a torpedo that they could have avoided just by waiting a little while. Are we financially able to run the risk? Are we organizationally, staff, board, constituents, leaders, are we able to deal with this if it blows up in our face? And ask your own self as the leader, can I live over this? Can I do this? There are times when we can delay, wait. I know a lot of times people will be pressuring you. We have to do this right now. Maybe not. Can I wait on this? Can I get stronger? Can the organization be stronger? Can we try this a little bit later? Can we test it? Can I deal with the stress and or the loss? The stress, if it works, if it works, doesn't mean the stress goes away. It may mean the stress increases. Can I deal with the loss and the grief if it fails? And then the last question you want to deal with, the last question, not the first, is what about the PR? How do we handle talking about this, releasing it, talking about it if it wins, talking about it if it fails? How do we handle the PR? One of the problems in uh, political leadership, one of the temptations in political leadership is they start with PR. How's this going to sell? 
That's not what you want to know. Is it a good decision? Is it the right decision now? Have I balanced the risk and reward factors? Do I know what this can make for me? Do I know what this can cost me? Have I dealt with my own cost factor? Can I and my organization, can we deal with this? Or can we delay? And then finally, how is it going to be communicated? The PR factor. But that's last, my friend, not first. Well, that's decision-making. You're going to be inundated with decisions all the time. But you want to get to the place, of course, and next time we'll be talking about decision-making as a team. So you want to get to the place where your team makes more decisions, the right decisions made at the right level. But a lot of those decisions are going to land right on your desk. No matter what you say about horizontal leadership and team organization, all the rest, there is a desk where the buck stops. Is it yours? Decision-making in the 21st century for the executive is going to be a major factor. I hope this is useful to you. I want to urge you one more time. Look up thenicl.com. I hope you'll join me for a teaching series that changes everything. We have hundreds and hundreds of alumni from all over the world, truly from all over the world. And I'd love to count you among that number. thenicl.com. This is The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.